1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 say, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I'm one of the pastor elders here. My name is Bryce Beal, and today I have with me Andrew, one of our other pastor elders. Andrew, thank you for being here. Thanks again for having me. Using your lunch break. I don't know if you get to eat then or not, but if not, thank you for your sacrifice. We are beginning a new quarterly focus right now. Um, It begins this month. And it is on the gospel. So this year has been foundational quarterly focuses or foci, however you want to say it. The first was the Bible, which is how we know what we know. Then the next three months, the next quarter, we focused on God himself. Now this quarter, we are focused on the gospel. And next quarter will be discipleship, meaning what does it mean to follow Jesus and the cost of following him and so forth. But right now, the gospel, and I'm excited to focus on this. So what we're going to do in this podcast is just start with the most basic question, which is, what is the gospel? This podcast and the next episode as well, both of these will be on that question, what is the gospel? So I want to start by actually asking you, Andrew, do you remember when you first heard the gospel or maybe when you first understood it growing up? So short answer to that is no. I don't necessarily remember the first time that I heard it. Uh, I do know that growing up, it was just a part of our household. My dad's a pastor. We were in the church anytime the doors were open. It's not to say that, you know, we did everything perfect. We, sorry, dad, mom, but we definitely did don't not. Don't expose them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can I can remember, you know, things of theology, talking about Christ, talking about, you know, biblical stories, things like that. That was just commonplace within our home. And so within that, um, the gospel was continually kind of thread through just our daily lives within the house. You know, prayer wasn't that, or was not uncommon. Um, Talking about, like I said, Christ, the Bible, church was expected, things like that. So I don't necessarily remember like the first time that I heard the gospel. Uh, First time I understood it probably would have been later on in life. if I were, if I were to be honest, I would say I was probably one of those pharisaical kids that I could quote you chapter and verse of things. I could tell you theological things, things like that, but they didn't penetrate my heart. So I would say the first time that I understood the gospel would have been a little bit later in life than uh, when I was a kid or when I was hearing these things about the gospel. I wouldn't have recognized that they were the gospel because my heart was hardened to it. But later on in life, understanding what the gospel was and what it truly meant, uh, that definitely would have been probably later in life, probably even when I left the house and got away from the influence of my family and had to figure out who I was and who God was calling me to be. Yeah, I'm the same way in that I grew up pharisaical. I mean, um, growing up in a good church with parents who were genuine believers with good theology, hearing the gospel a lot and assuming I got it, I got it. And yet living my life in such a way that (laughs) any sort of inspection would suggest, no, you don't. So it wasn't until later as well that I understood it, but similarly heard it quite a lot growing up. 
Well, let's talk about this gospel then, what it is specifically. And the way I want to approach it is just by beginning with some etymology, because everyone loves etymology, finding the origins of words that we have. So the word we're using here is gospel. Obviously, that's an English word, but it's, for us, rooted in a Greek word in the New Testament, and that Greek word is euangelion. And that is comprised of two parts. The eu part, you might recognize that as a prefix we use sometimes in English to mean something good. If you have euphoria, it's a good feeling. So the eu just means good. Angelion is from angelia, and you can almost hear the word angel in there. An angel is a messenger who brings a message. An angelia is just a message. That's it. It's news or a story. So euangelion simply means good news. And it occurs more than 100 times in its three different forms in the New Testament. It's a very common word, and certainly the concept is everywhere. But let's talk about the English word. So how do we get from that Greek euangelion to gospel, which is what we're talking about? Well, it's Old English. Goad, apparently, at one time was the word for good. And spell, or however it was once pronounced, simply meant news or story. So it's really almost an exact takeover from euangelion. Good news, goad, spell, gospel means good news. So if that's not interesting to you, just remember that gospel means good news. <laughs> that's, that's really all you need to take away from this. So if it means good news, we do need to figure out what is the news that is so good. So what we want to do is talk about the content of the gospel. Because if you use the word gospel today, I would imagine many people would first think of the music genre (laughs) of gospel. We are not talking about that per se. Gospel is a word that has a content to it. And it's very important. So let's talk about what that is. I'm going to be basing this podcast and next, the way it's organized, on a really helpful book that was written by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. It's been, I don't know, a decade now. And it is called What is the Mission of the Church? It's certainly worth reading. But what they do in that book is they talk about how we can think about the gospel in two ways. One is a zoom lens where we look really close in a zoomed-in sort of way, narrowly, at what is the gospel. And for most of us, when we are talking about gospel, that's what we mean. It's a sort of narrow, zoomed-in, it's the death of Jesus, his resurrection, what that means for us. So, zoom lens. We're going to talk about that today. And I wanted to do another episode next week because the way the Bible uses gospel certainly is focused right there. But it actually uses it more broadly, and DeYoung and Gilbert talk about looking at the gospel from a broad lens. I think they say a wide lens, wide-angle lens. We're going to talk about that next week, the wide-angle lens, where there's a real fullness to the gospel, what Jesus meant by the gospel of the kingdom and so forth. But right now, we just want to talk about, most of the time when we're thinking gospel, we're thinking this zoomed-in, which is totally true, this zoomed-in focus on what does the gospel mean, what is the content. Here's how DeYoung and Gilbert put this zoom lens on the gospel. Quote, The singular blessing of forgiveness of sins and restored relationship with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus. That's a good definition because I think it pretty much aligns with what we saw in 1 Corinthians 15, 
verses 3 and 4 at the start, where Paul says, I delivered to you as a first importance what I, importance, what I also received. And then he just starts listing things. Number one, here's what he received. Here's his gospel. Number one, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Number two, he was buried. Number three, he was raised on the third day. And he goes on to talk about Jesus' appearances after that. So there you have Jesus' death, burial. He was really dead. And then him coming back to life. And Paul calls that first importance. It's zoomed in, the most essential part of Paul's message and of ours. So that is the gospel. These acts together, the death, resurrection of Jesus, together with really what they mean for us, salvation, that is the gospel. But to make things more interesting, Andrew, I want to throw this over to you again and just ask, if you were going to present the gospel message to someone, and let's say you had to do it in under a minute, how would you present it? All right, so let me start by saying my minute has not started. <laughs> okay. But uh, Gilbert also wrote a book called What is the Gospel? Um, and he lays it out in his first chapter very beautifully of what the gospel is. And he gives four points. And within those four points, he takes those from Romans 1 through 4, chapter 4. And so that's, that's what I, I really like to go off of. So you have my minute starts. Okay. So the first one is that uh, Paul tells people or tells the readers of Romans 1 through 4 that there is a God and that we're accountable to that God. The second thing that he says is that there is a problem that we have and that's sin and that we rebel against that God. So since we're accountable to that God, we rebel against that God, there's a disconnect there, so something has to happen. The third thing that he says is that God's solution to humanity's sin is the sacrificial death and resurrection of Christ. So since there's that God that's accountable, man sins, we cannot gain back that salvation or um, we can't gain back that, that approval of God since we have that sin and that rebellion against him. There has to be something else. So that's where Christ comes in. He is the sacrifice that allows us to have that connection back to God. And then the fourth thing he says, finally, Paul tells his readers how they themselves can be included in that salvation. And he goes through and says, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And then also in chapters 4, verse 5 of Romans, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So you have a holy God that we are accountable to. You have man that's fallen and sinful against. You have Christ that intercedes for us to be able to be reconciled. And you have man who puts his faith in Christ to do that reconciliation for him. And that's how I would say the gospel is in a minute. Wonderfully said. And that reinforces this idea, because we want this to be so simple, and it, and it really is. Paul points us in 1 Corinthians 15 to the things of first importance, and it's basically the death and resurrection of Jesus. But when you present it this way, like according to Gilbert's model here, you're not saying something different than that, but really all you're doing is saying, okay, the gospel simply considered is the death and resurrection of Jesus with enough context to explain what that means for anybody. And so Greg's fourfold little model there is wonderful. God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. Because really in Christ, that's where you have the death and resurrection of Jesus. But you need enough context to know that that means something rather than just some 
fanatic dying in the first century. So that's why you have to know something about God. You have to know something about mankind, that we've sinned and we're alienated. Then you've got to know what Christ did, and you've got to know why it even matters and how it relates to our sin and salvation. And then you've got to know what's the response that God expects of us to repent and to believe. So it really, hopefully people can see, we don't want this to be overcomplicated. When we're sharing the gospel, you're just talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus with enough information that someone can know what to do with that. What does that even mean in regard to my sin and my need to be saved? Him dying and resurrecting, what's that mean? And that will require talk a little bit about God and our response and so forth. So God, man, Christ response, that's a wonderful way to share the gospel. That leads us to our last point here, which is just, if what we've said is the content of the gospel, zoom lens, narrowly considered, it's what Christ did and what it means, then you do have to organize it somehow if you're going to talk about it. That's why I think Gilbert's model is really great that you use there. So, you know, God, man, Christ response. Maybe write that down on a note card or just remember that somehow. And if you have a minute with someone, tell them about that. There are other ways to organize it. Um, For example, one way that I found really helpful, it was actually started by um, someone Spurgeon referenced in one of his messages but it's called the wordless book. It's used by Child Evangelism Fellowship today, and it's just a book that's got, it ranges in the number of colors, but usually it's got five colors in it. So five pages that are different colors. The first one, and these are also changed sometimes, but the first one's usually gold, and that reminds us God. And we talk about his holiness and so forth. Then you have another one that's a dark page, and that reminds us of sin, or in Gilbert's model, man which has to do with sin. Then you have a red page, that's Christ, his blood, what he accomplished. White would be our response, how we can be forgiven for our sins by turning from them and trusting in Christ. And then a lot of them will add a green color just as a reminder, if if you do that, now grow, you know. So gold, dark, red, white, green. I've actually been looking into, I'd like to get one of those bracelets they make that have those five colors. It's just an easy way to share the gospel, an easy way to organize similar to Gilbert's way. And that was used by Spurgeon. Moody used something similar. Fanny Crosby used something similar. Amy Carmichael used something similar. Just these colors that spark memory. So I probably need to get one of those. So in the past, it may be that if someone asked you about the gospel, well, certainly you believed it, but you weren't sure how to articulate that to anyone. Or maybe you did think it was just a genre of music. Whatever else you might have thought in the past, may God help all of us now to think this way.